Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's not just good for programming. It's also great for kids doing homework. It's great for reading, great for writing, anything that requires your concentration. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1215, with guest Sean McBreen. Recorded Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we are in some green conference room somewhere in Microsoft. What building is this building one? Building 27. 27, We're right. We're taking tour today. We've been in all sorts of buildings. Yeah. And uh, Sean McBreen is here. We're going to be talking to him about uh, uh, Visual Studio Code and some other things. But uh, yeah, first, I guess we should just get right into it and jump into Better Know Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? There's some good stuff here. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Skype has come out with a web SDK. Oh, that's Of course, this must be Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> you would think. Tinyurl.com slash Skype web SDK. I lucked out and got that tiny URL. That is the perfect URL for this. Okay. Yeah. And um, so the Skype developer platform for web, it's also called, is a new set of JavaScript components and HTML controls that enable developers to build new web experiences that seamlessly integrate a wide variety of real-time collaboration models, leveraging Skype for business services and the larger Skype network. In addition to support for multiple core collaboration services like presence, chat, audio, and video, this enables web experiences that can connect to a broad spectrum of users, browsing platforms, and device endpoints. Presence and chat services are provided using new REST-based web services, which allow your web SDK app to be accessed on any browser, like IE, Chrome, Firefox, and Safari, support for audio and video and application sharing conversations is currently supported via a downloadable plugin module that's available for Windows 7, Windows 8 computers, and Macs. The net result is a powerful new model for building immersive collaboration experiences using the power of Skype and Skype for Business. And that is right off of the web page with the docs on it. Um, so, like anything like this, it's probably big, daunting, and uh, requires some tutorials. So, Matt Proctor, who's one of our App V Next guys, oh yeah, he has put a page of tutorials together, um, you know, and links to tutorials at tinyurl.com/swsdktutorials, and you can check them all out there. Lots of resources for you to learn all about this new stuff. So there you go. That's what I got today, Richard. Uh, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 1186, the one we did with John Papa, where we talked about spas and Visual Studio Code. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've, we've talked about it a little bit, not little with bit. the man, of course. Nope. But, and this comment comes from Bart Vanderwall, who says, uh, I listened to this podcast on my afternoon run in the forest last week. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Neat. And afterward felt compelled to directly install Visual Studio Code on the MacBook I got recently. I'd been digging into the new tools and the new IDE with Xcode in preparation to do some maintenance on an iPad app for a customer. So he's, I mean, he's using Visual Studio Code, but he's working in Xcode, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's what this thing's about, right? Right. Although I'm slowly gaining control of this Mac, it still feels a bit alien to my fingers. But because I had been using VS Code coding on my, quote, Delosaurus, oh, who nice. called that term? Where did that yeah, come it's from? your turn. It really felt like coming home. As for the remark that code has nothing to do with Visual Studio, well, today I was searching on how to comment a bunch of code lines simultaneously. Mm. You know, take a comment block out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found nothing in the menus and was contemplating to do yet another one of those Google searches that had been slowing down my productivity since starting on the Mac. <laughs> But in a whim, I tried Visual Studio's familiar Control-K, Control-C, yeah. and bang, all Boom. the lines were commented. 
Nice. Sure felt like Visual Studio to me. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> yeah. It's just the right keystrokes. Just knowing the keystrokes, right? Your Visual Studio free reflexes might actually help you in Visual Studio Code. You know, it, you could argue that it was the keys, the, the command key shortcuts that made that whole word, word perfect versus word star. Oh, versus, yeah. Yeah. That Going whole, all the way back there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. So uh, can't argue with it, Bart. Glad that you're liking Visual Studio Code. We've got more coming at you about that topic right now. Mm -hmm. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of the social media we post to. We put every show up on Facebook and Google+. You can comment there. If we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. Or your mobile apps. We have mobile apps. We have mobile apps, but those, those map back to the main .NET Rocks site. That's, That's right. That's the, the common comment engine. Yep, it's all the same. So... Uh, also, you can tweet us. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Feel free to tweet your heart out. And that brings us to our guest, Sean McBreen. He's a principal program manager for VS Code at Microsoft. He's been with the firm for 12 years. And not only does he share Richard's native country of New Zealand, but like Richard and me, he's been an RD and an MVP. And he's been involved in pretty much every role there is at Microsoft. Great to meet you, Sean. Thanks for uh, being on the show. Great to be here, Carl, and good to see you guys. Yeah, you were an old school RD, like back when I started. Yeah, I think probably 15, maybe 16 years ago, I was back in RD. There was a little group of us. I was in the UK at the time, right? the United Kingdom. So did you actually like manage Dev Days events, like, like the original goal of the RD? Dev Days were just there, but in the UK, there were only three of us. There were oh, only right. three RDs to the whole, whole country, 40 million people. Three RDs. Sort of hard to get around everyone. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you were busy, busy. Yeah. <laughs> was Ben Mitchell one of them? Uh, no, not at the time. Not at the time. <laughs> not at the time. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. He came along later. Hmm. All right. Welcome to three guys trying to talk here. <laughs> <laughs> three old friends. Where's the beer? Where's the beer? Yep. So, uh, Visual Studio Code. Yeah. Wow. I think um, congratulations first, right? I think it's, it's made quite a splash. Yeah, I think we surprised a lot of people when we announced Visual Studio Code. It was a April 28th, I remember the day, very clearly at the Build Conference. And, you know, we were able to go out there and say, hey, it's a new Microsoft. We're building tools on Linux and building tools on, on Mac. And we really mean it, runtimes and tools. Um, and since then, it's been pretty crazy. And, of course, you know, the whole story is that not only can you, you know, write code on Linux in your Mac, but you can run code on your Linux and Mac because of the, the core foundation stuff. That's right. Yep. It's a, it's, as I say, it's a totally different world where we can really bring uh, our technologies to wherever developers want to work. Yeah. And Visual Studio Code has been great. A lot of our users are on Mac and Linux. Yeah. You know, at the beginning, it was uh, more on Mac and Linux than any other platform. Wow. Well, there's two Macs in the room with me and my Surface Book, so yeah. I still feel like I have the cooler machine, but I am outnumbered. You do have the cooler machine, <laughs> and I, let me tell you, I've got my eye on one of those. It's been really funny walking around Microsoft the past couple of days with this thing, because I don't think any Microsoft folks have them yet. They're going to the regular customers. Yeah, it's the, the first time I've seen one. Yeah, I'm hoping I can get that instead of the cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Surface Book has that detachable screen, and it's so light. Yeah. It, you know... Uh, yeah, it's uncomfortably light. It's lighter than my iPad. Yeah, it's really strange, it's isn't very it? Very strange. But it's been being on campus and just having Microsoft folks come up. Well, is that? Yes, it is. Oh my goodness! How did you get one? It's like, I'm not one of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. It's mine. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. Now, I've been pretty good about handing the screen around, but it has occurred to me that sooner or later, clunk, and then I'm probably going to be able to get a replacement. So uh, a Connect conference is coming up here very shortly. And uh, Visual Studio Code, is there is there any going to be some new stuff around that? Are you announcing anything? Of course, of course. We really have two big moments throughout the year, Build, which is when we announce the product itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the Connect event, we've got a set of really great news. Since we sort of uh, went to brought Visual Studio Code out, people have really requested a number of things from us to be more open, to engage the community more, to expand the scope of the tool. Mm -hmm. um, I think on all of those fronts, we're going to have a set of really, really great announcements. Unfortunately, I can't quite tell you what uh, they are right now. We're a week too early. One yeah. more week that I, I really do suggest if you're interested in uh, the future of, you know, cross-platform development um, in Microsoft, that the Connect event's a, a great event to tune into. 
Um, and I can assure you, if you're a Visual Studio Code user, you're going to love um, what you see there. Well, at least I really hope you will. We'll be very sad if that's not the yeah, case. We'll find right. out pretty quickly. It occurs to me that Visual Studio Code is, I mean, a really new product for Microsoft. Like you don't make that many new products. Mm. You generally think about Microsoft as products with really long lives. I mean, how many versions of Office? 16? And, and a 10 versions or so of Windows? Mm -hmm. Visual yeah. Studio? I mean, we went to the year numbering just because you don't want to know how many versions of Visual Studio there have been. Mm -hmm. Have you been involved with code since the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Um, can, right from can you our... talk a little bit about the genesis of it? I mean, this is only the past couple yeah. of years, right? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, when, I, when we think of Visual Studio Code, one of the things we wanted to do was to take a lot of the best practices that we've been learning as a, a services-based and a cloud-based company and bring those back to client software. So when you look at Visual Studio Code, it really has more in common with uh, the way that we release services than traditional client software. Sure. Every single month since we announced, we have had a full update and the product automatically updates. Mm. Uh, so we're at version nine at the moment. It'll be version 10 at the Connect event. Wow. And um, the great thing about that is it means that the pace of innovation is, is fantastic. Um, you know, we're bringing nightly builds down on our machines. Um, code is sort of a 60 megabyte install. So these updates are really, really taken up in the space of three, four, five days by our whole community. So that's the first thing is, Working on Visual Studio Code is much more like uh, working on a service or a very agile project than um, any of the other client software that you can think of that's out there. You're going to go to the 10th edition in the middle of November, yep. having first releases at the end of April. Yes. That's seven months? Seven months. We skipped a couple of versions when we have a concept of insiders, and for a while we were giving them unique version numbers. But you should really think for our end users, they've seen um, five complete updates. Okay, so almost one a month. Yeah, one a, yeah indeed. So remind us, for those who haven't downloaded it and who don't know what Visual Studio Code does or is, can you just give us the whole overview? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, our observation is that, you know, modern development workflows are, are much more flexible than some of the workflows that you've seen in platforms like Visual Studio, the IDE. Hmm. Visual Studio, the IDE is quite uh, opinionated in the way that it works, and it really helps you um, in a couple of key platforms work the work the way that it wants. Mm. But for a lot of the modern web frameworks that are out there, people really want an editor that can insert into the workflow that they've already established. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so Visual Studio Code is all about um, enabling that modern sort of developer workflow where you have a, a very lightweight editor that's sort of optimized for what we call the developer's core in a loop. Mm. That's this idea that you're writing, testing, debugging code. Mm. And so we looked at the editors that were out there today, and there's some fantastic editors out there today. But mm. we thought that we could do you know, a step better than the other editors by offering some features that we've called sort of editing evolved or mm. redefined. Mm. And the idea is that we can bring Visual Studio style productivity to the editor space. Mm -hmm. So if you're writing a Node.js application and say TypeScript, and you're using Visual Studio Code, it's not just an editor, a great text editor with multi-cursor support mm. and all the things. You've got IntelliSense, you've got um, peak definition, go to definition, you've got refactoring, and um, that goes all the way up to actual debugging. Mm -hmm. So the editor is incredibly productive for um, that sort of inner loop of the development cycle. And then we provide ways that you can hook into your broader tool chain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things like version control with Git. Mm -hmm. But we have a whole task running and management system inside Visual Studio Code that lets you hook into, say, unit test frameworks, deployment systems, um, gulp and grunt tasks that do almost anything. So... There's a lot. It sounds like there's a lot of edit points that, like, uh, what do you call them? Maybe uh, you, you sort of delegates, you know, events that you can hook that things yep. that happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. The great thing about a product like Code is it really can just slot straight into your existing workflow without mm. you having to change everything around it. Yeah. So if you're using a different, you know, uh, technology for previewing or a set of libraries, Code will work great with those things. So we like to think of it, you know. It's, there's, a, there's a set of developers who really want not just a full integrated IDE experience where everything comes in one box. Mm -hmm. And then at the far end of the other spectrum, there's an editor approach, which is just about editing text. Code sort of sits somewhere in the middle, close to the editor spectrum, but tries to give all the productivity then and quality that you find in Visual Studio for now, those modern random. Now, you types. mentioned debugging. So can it hook into processes like uh, your local web uh, yeah. you know, host? Yeah. 
we can attach to running processes, we can mm -hmm. spin up processes. When we really launched Visual Studio Code, we had um, one really great end-to-end -end experience, which is, uh, I guess, used as a template for the way that the tool would work with other languages, and that's been Node.js development. Hmm. And that's, you know, a lot of our own underlying technology is JavaScript and Node. Yeah. Code itself um, is, you know, it's a hosted um, HTML, CSS, JavaScript app. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. And it runs cross-platform in a, in a cross-platform shell called the um, Electron shell from GitHub. Okay. So again, all these things that you wouldn't that's, really that's the think the Kiwi from. pronunciation. We might call it Electron. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, you're Kiwi. I know, but I translate too. Uh, and I got to translate from Canadian Kiwi. <laughs> so I'm really screwed. Um, is there a REPL or at least a command window or an immediate window? We have a debug console, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so straight from there, you can inspect types, you can evaluate, um, you can have watches, immediates, all the things that you expect mm. in a debugging um, environment. Yeah, it sort of seems like Visual Studio sort of evolved out of the desktop development uh, paradigm. And so, you know, the once we get to, into ASP.NET, of course, you know, the, it, it was sort of had to reconfigure itself for that. And now, you know, the modern software development that's all web-based is all done differently. And yeah. this is sort of like a, a reimagining for the for the web-style uh, development. Yeah, there's probably two defining things that are quite different in the way that VS Code works from raw Visual Studio. Mm. We have no designers. So there's no design surfaces yeah. in Visual Studio Code. Um, that's not to say that tools and a broader tool chain don't provide them. Uh, mm -hmm. My favorite story for that is Unity developers. Unity um, provides Mono developers, a cross-platform um, editor, mm -hmm. and a lot of Unity developers are turning to code where they do the UI and design side of the Unity work in the Unity editor. Mm -hmm. One of the community members built a plugin for Unity, and that allows for code to you know, open up your Unity project, which is a C-sharp project. Sure. And uh, you can debug, you get IntelliSense, you get peak code lens, all of those things just quote-unquote for free. All right, you just said the magic word, code lens. Yeah. This was a feature that was in Universal, I think. And it ultimate, was like an yep. Ultimate, yeah. yeah yep. The, the $10,000, whatever it was, 15 how, it was expensive, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now it's free? Yeah. It's just a great <laughs> feature that people really appreciate. It's, you know... Find out where your references are in your code, and, and it's absolutely free. It's part of both community on the Visual Studio side and part of Visual Studio Code. So Visual Studio Community Edition gets code lens. So in other words, it's free all the way down the yep. stack. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yep. it's one of my favorite features. It's a great feature. Co for those who haven't been paying attention, code lens is just this gives you great insight into your code. How many references are for over a particular method? Uh, how many tests? Who is the last person to... To, uh, to edit, you yep. know, that kind of thing. That's right. It's wonderful. So no designers is one key point of, of design point difference if you right. like, between ourselves and Visual Studio. But you can obviously augment with the Unity example being mm -hmm. a great one. Mm -hmm. um, the other big difference is there's no project system. Right. We're completely file and folder file based. Yeah. Um, and obviously most of the modern frameworks uh, exist like that. Again, right. Node is a good example of that. So, you know, yeah, I'm, no always, I'm always annoyed when I go to edit a website in Visual Studio proper and it wants me to create a solution file. Yep. It's like, for what? Yeah, just yeah. Let, edit my file, please. Yeah. Like, stop it. Right. So, yeah, so there's a couple of differences there, but uh, but the meta point is we're really trying to be bring a lot of the Visual Studio productivity yeah. to developers on, on any platform. Right. And we meet them there. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Stackify. If your app runs on Azure, or if you're considering launching an Azure soon, Stackify is the only integrated APM and error log management platform that was designed with Azure in mind. Stackify's Azure expertise can identify problems before you launch and help you know the difference between apps problems and Azure problems so you can fix issues fast. Try Stackify now for free and get the hilarious Developers Against Humanity card game. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks. Uh, you mentioned OmniSharp and passing, and we've done a whole show just on OmniSharp by right. itself. Uh, did you contribute to that project as well, or were you just a consumer of it to make Visual Studio Code work? Uh, we consume a whole lot of open source technologies, and oh, we're sure. contributing to tons of them. And OmniSharp is something we, we work with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of how we provide our DNX or .NET, um, ASP.NET 5 supporters through OmniSharp. Mm. The Unity supporters through OmniSharp and mm. Mono as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, we absolutely not only use it, but contribute it to it. I've actually got a, a good story on contribution at the moment. Um, mm. 
we have a lot of our core team, two of the key devs are on GitHub at the moment, mm-hmm. and they're working with the, they're doing a hackathon on the Electron shell. That's the shell that I mentioned we use to host code cross-platform. Right. And that shell is used by ourselves, it's used by the Atom editor, it's used by Slack, if you've heard of Slack. Yeah, yeah sure. I use it all the time. Yeah. But it doesn't support accessibility very well today. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah. and so one of the things we want with Microsoft, we want to make sure our product's accessible. Yeah. And so we're there helping break through the barriers there. You know, I saw a pull request yesterday just on a couple of key key bugs. Yeah. Um, but stepping back, it's, it just shows how different the world we're operating in is. You know, we're building our technology on open source mm-hmm. technologies. We're sitting in the GitHub offices working with them on it. Yeah. You know, we're consuming libraries. It's It's a... Great playing and, and running on a Mac and, and Linux. Well, and I appreciate that, I mean, Microsoft has a requirement for their products to be accessible. And your solution to the problem is to contribute to the open source project accessibility for everybody that wants yep. to use it. Mm. Yep. And then you get it into your product as well. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone sort of wins. And another story like that is one of the things we just recently added to code is the ability to import any arbitrary language out there that has something called a TextMate bundle. So TextMate bundles define bracket matching, colorization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we provide a tool, Yeoman. It's a Yeoman template, which is basically an open source scaffolder. Yep. And you type in Yo code and it will say, hey, do you want to create a new language syntax? And if you want to create a new language syntax, it'll say, well, point me to the you know, t- TextMate bundle that you've got. Uh, so I did a LaTeX one, which is like a, a, a markup format. Okay. Um, like think Markdown, but several years back, good for <laughs> equations, universities. Um, but you can point it to anything, and that allows us just to wrap that up. But as we did that work, so we're reusing the bundles that are out there that both Sublime uses, Atom uses, um, and TextMate itself. Mm-hmm. Um, as we did that work, we found a, a bug in the underlying code that parses the TextMate bundles and does the colorization. And that bug um, resulted in the res- resolution of that bug resulted in a 50% performance increase in the way that the colorization works. Wow. We did a pull request that was accepted, and now Atom also benefits from right. the same bug fix. So, you know, um, the good thing is everyone sort of moves forward in, in this, this space. Uh, you know, we'll try and stay different by making sure that we focus on this in-loop and debugging as well. What's the relationship between Atom and Electron? Because they sort of are said in the same sentence every time. Yeah. So originally the cross-platform shell was part of the same project and they've broken them apart mm-hmm. and it used to actually be called the Atom Electron shell and now it's just Electron. Right. But, you know, aside from proxim- proximity inside, you know, GitHub, both owned by GitHub, they really are different projects now. And the Electron shell um, basically uses Chrome and the Chromium engine to right. host a, a, a node, node application and an HTML CSS app. And that's the bit that we use. Um, it's amazing, like if you look on Twitter and a lot of people sort of say that we're a fork or we're um, a set of plugins or customizations on Atom, mm-hmm. but that's actually not true. Our um, editor itself is, we used to, we've got this product up there, Visual Studio Online Monaco, right. or the F12 tools inside um, Internet Explorer, and that's this battle-tested web editor that we call the Monaco editor. Right. And, and that, it's been around for a while. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's... It's all over the place. It's in OneDrive. It's in Visual Studio Online. It's in yeah. Azure. Um, and so we took that sort of battle-hardened editor, that core, and then put it inside this cross-platform shell. And, and then we added these other features that make it a, a great development experience, like develop, um, like the language services, IntelliSense, peak definition, refactoring, and, of course, debugging. Um, so that's sort of our journey that we got there. And so if you can contrast us to Atom, we really don't have a lot of commonality with Atom, other than the fact that we use the same shared host, right. which is the Electron shell. Yes. And, you, and you're both editors. I mean, it's, And you're both editors, yep. <laughs> kind yep. Of a few similarities here and yeah. there, but, but yeah. it's interesting that you came out from a different path. I mean, we heard about Monaco for a long time. It's just sort of roaming around. Almost felt like it was looking for a home, mm-hmm. and it kept showing up in different Found many of them. here and there. Yeah, yeah, here, there, and everywhere. But it, it also begs the question about Visual Studio itself, because... We saw the shell of Visual Studio at one point show up in like the SQL administration tools. Yeah. Right. Like we had this, there was a sense that, that the, that Studio had grown up to a point where it was being dismantled in different pieces that you could use in different ways. And now here comes this editor, you know, from the Monaco side. It's a totally different approach to it. Is there an overall plan here or is this just different paths? I think for us, Visual Studio Code really is about meeting developers where they are. Sure. So they don't have to come to Windows to work with Visual Studio Code. And what we're doing is we're bringing what we 
you know, conceive as the best and most popular features of Visual Studio mm -hmm. into that product. Uh, and those things work really well together. Um, but as far as there are an overarching plan, the difference between us and Visual Studio is simply that Visual Studio is an IDE. Yep. If you're a .NET developer and you want everything, designers and profiles. I've, and I've been living in that space for 15 years. I'm very comfortable. It's And mm -hmm. we love it still. Yeah. So, you know, that if you're using some other technology snacks or you just want to snack in and quickly edit a couple of files, Visual Studio Code can insert directly into that yeah. workflow as well. Yeah, but sure. I, I think of Carl's exact comment of, I wanted to edit this web file, and Studio told me I needed a solution. Right. And I'm like, just edit the file. Right. Well, code yeah. just edits the file. Yeah. Well, Mads, who's done a lot of the extensions for ASP.NET, he just actually shipped an extension the other day, which is open and code from Visual Studio. Nice. Just for mm. some of those scenarios where you just want to jump out and tweak something else that's different yeah. over there. The Mads Christensen. Yes. As opposed to Mads Torgensen. Right. <laughs> Both amazing Mads. Yeah. But one's a little web-centric and one's a little C-sharp-centric. One's a little madder than the other one. <laughs> Both pretty mad. Yeah. Um, is there an XML story or even a XAML story, perhaps? Well, certainly there's an XML story in terms of snippets and colorization and bracket matching and editing support, but there's no intrinsic understanding of something like XAML. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, ironically, this old story we have with, you know, Blend would be the equivalent of a UI designer or Visual Studio, and you could just integrate there at the mm -hmm. file level. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, you know, as I said, when we get to the Connect event, one of our big focuses is to expand the openness of our platform and, and mm. let other people contribute to it in a more um, profound way. So sure. maybe that story's not finished. Yeah. Maybe. So there's maybe. more to be done there. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to announce my new plugin for Visual Studio Code, Carl's Random Rude Comment Generator. <laughs> yes, now you can decorate your code with random nasty comments like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what or, was I thinking? Who's the friggin' genius who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> or the ever popular, call this method and your machine will die. <laughs> For maximum laughs, try it on your friend's code. <laughs> Void, we're prohibited by law. Actually, <laughs> we should ship that in the box. That's so yeah. awesome. I need some of that. <laughs> I'm going to go straight Once back to my desk and I... Once the time of high, my high and God knew what this code did. Now only God knows. It's like the magic eight ball, but more profound. More profound. Yeah. yeah. It was either that or the uh, the tool that strips all the comments out before it compiles so it will lighten your code. Oh, I like that, yeah. How about, a, how about a tool that goes in, grabs all your comments, and shuffles them randomly? <laughs> Or turn off the error reporting debug switch, right? When you get rid of all those nasty compiler errors. Yes, by suppressing them. <laughs> oh, well, it's actually time to give away a Music to Code by collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to Code by. Have you heard of Music to Code by? I don't know if I have. Well, are you focused when you code? Are you distracted? I'm focused all the time. Focused all the time. Well, for the rest of us, uh, we need something to have going on in the background while we're trying to focus. And that's why I developed Music to Code By. Uh, they're 25 minutes long, so they coincide with Pomodoros. There's no lyrics. They're, they're just interesting enough to keep you engaged, but not boring and definitely not distracting. And uh, you can check them out online at mtcb.pwop. That's P-W-O-P dot com. That's not quite as good as your AK link or the, the tiny URL you had before. Yeah. Not the Skype web SDK. Yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Jace Templeton. Congratulations, Jace. Golf yeah, clap, golf for, you, clap sir. for you, And Jace just won Music to Code by the audio and video collection. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, Answer a few questions and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And now it's your turn, Sean. If you had 5000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Well, if I had $5,000 to spend on technology today, it's very hard not to get a Surface Book. I'm looking at when one it's right as across I'm, the table I'm sitting you. here. So that would be that would take a chunk of it out. If you've still got some left over yeah. from that. Um, Actually, loaded up three grand. 
Actually, if you sold your MacBook, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you might be able to get a couple of Surface yeah, books. Yeah, that's right. I might do that. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It's a Microsoft asset. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, you know, I just recently bought a um, Band 2. I had to try one of those. Are you liking pretty it? Good. I am liking it. Yeah. Um, I'm liking knowing that I'm not sleeping as much as I should. Mm. Interesting. Maybe, yeah, you know, sort of that reminder. Yeah. This is the second version, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you like it better? Yeah, oh, I didn't get a first one. I, they sold out before I could, so I decided I'd go straight away. Well, and the big wow. thing is that curved display. It's a li- yeah. It seems like it fits a little better. It's a bit more yep. comfortable. But yeah, it, uh, it is loaded full of sensors, that oh. thing. It's watching you all it's the time. Science fiction, yeah. So, what was that product used to be called? Microsoft Mom? Where do you think you're going today? <laughs> you I like that. You're going today. <laughs> what else? I think, you know, I like gadgets, so there's always, you know... Always something, and seems like gaming season's upon yeah, us. So there's something probably to do with an, an Xbox ha- One, I think. Halo Five, a curved screen, perhaps. Ooh, Ooh, no, I yeah. hadn't. That wasn't on my list. You might have just broken my bank. Oh. Yeah, I think um, you just spent the five. Twelve hundred dollars for the LG thirty-four inch, thirty-four forty by fourteen forty, twenty-one by nine proportion theater style display. Yeah, I think I'm going to get me one of those. Uh, you know what? It's one of those screens. Well, I've, I've said this a few times on the show over the past years. I started replacing some of my like vintage 2005 monitors. Mm. The new generation monitors are brighter and sharper and faster and they make all your old monitors look sad. Mm. Yeah. And so, but once I put that 3440 up, the curved one, I just can't look away from it. Do you still have the wing monitor? I still have the big display rig. And, I, and one of the problem is that setup was one of the original Apple 2560 by 1600 displays, the original, original, like 2006, with the, which is actually made by Philips. The bezel on it's a fully an inch wide, maybe an inch and a half all the way around. So it's pretty beefy. And then I hung a pair of 1600 by 1200 displays, Samsung's, in portrait mode on either side because they were the same height. Mm. So I had this 4960 by 1600 display. Mm. And in 2006, it was the most epic. That was the first time I'd ever put together a screen where I'm like, this might be a bit too <laughs> wide because no mouse pad is big enough, right? You're, yeah. you're literally skating your mouse to get across that. So I switched over to rollerball and I got used to that height. All those extra code lines from the 1600 makes yeah. a big difference. So yeah. the 16 by 12s, they don't make them anymore. And really? one of them, 10 years old, Kicked off. Oh. Just wouldn't turn on one day. Oh, man. So I found another, I grabbed another monitor and put it in its place. That's a newer, brighter IPS monitor, and it makes the rest of them look sad. Mm. So now I'm, there's nothing. Three monitors to replace. Well, one at a time, right? So the big thing will be, I think, the center display, which, look, I have nothing bad to say about that Apple display. It has worked every day. It is rock solid. I'll put it on a new mount somewhere else. But I'm looking in something 30-inch plus 4K, I think, will be the replacement for that. Well, isn't that what the – where's the curved monitor going? 3440 by 1440. The problem with the curved display is you can't really mount it the same way. So it's standing on its own on the secondary workstation. Yeah. You know what's phenomenal on that display? Kerbal Space Program. Yes. Kerbal Space Program. Coming, coming, uh, coming into orbit of Kerbin – Breaking the atmosphere. By the way, this, this I know big we, curved display. By the way, I know we have a lot to cover here, but I, I just got to say, I flew to Denver with Richard uh, a couple days ago to shoot a video while we were here at the MVP Summit. And on the way there, about, I don't know, a half hour before we landed, Richard looks at me, he goes, I'm going to go to the moon. Okay. So he actually built in about 20 minutes built a rocket in the Kerbal Space Program. It's all Unity, right? So <laughs> it looks like he's using Unity. He's like dragging and dropping things and extending fuel tanks and stuff. He's doing all the math. And it was like an Apollo-style rocket. Yeah. And uh, flew to the moon and landed, landed. Hopped a guy out, put a flag on the, on the moon, hopped back in, flew back. Flew back and landed back on the planet. Landed, I think in 20 we minutes in a plane. 200 <laughs> meters away from where we took off from. Right. Yeah, it was a pretty good landing. <laughs> Yeah, all and, of my my Surface Book, by the way, oh. with the with the fancy graphics and everything turned on, it looked very nice. It was really, really. And at something. one point in the middle of it, when we were actually on the return leg to Kerbin, I'm like, I gotta hit the can, man. Here, hold my screen. Yeah, holding the screen. I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, jeez, oh, I hope these three guys like are spinning around slowly, and I'm thinking, oh no, it's drifting away. <laughs> what do I do? I, I don't understand this thing. It's like the Martian. You saw The Martian? I, I've read the book, but, you know, I haven't seen the movie. You haven't seen the movie? Go see the movie, see and then you can listen to our Martian geek out. Oh, yeah, I will. They all will. go together. 
We got to get back on track, yeah, buddy. Tell, <laughs> tell us some more things other than Visual Studio Code that we're going to hear about at Connect. Oh, I could get in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. This is great. We are perfectly willing to allow you to destroy your career on that. Absolutely. We're here to help. Feel free. Yeah. And if there's any employees you want to throw under the bus, that's a good, this is a good time to do it. (laughs) Well, so Scott Guthrie is doing the keynote. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, It's been .NET Rocks. We'll talk to you later. (laughs) That's our show. I mean, yeah, the lineup's epic, right? It's Scott Guthrie, Brian Harry, Mr. Hanselman is, of course, making an appearance, as he is wont to do. Uh, you know, I was also excited to see Amanda Silvers in that lineup, yeah, too. Yeah. Anders Hellsberg will be there as well. The big the big um, Anders. My guy, Eric Gamma, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. So Eric's our, our engineering lead in Zurich. Um, so, yeah, it should be a fantastic event. There's news on, on every front. I think there's, there's news from how we talk about the product, how we go to market with the product. Um, you know, I really don't want to give myself too yeah, much trouble yeah, by talking yeah. about that. And, and of course, for Visual Studio Code, I said, we've got uh, great news about how we engage and embrace the community. So I do think it'll be a, a really good event to, to tune in to on the 18th. And it's really meant to be a streaming event. I mean, that's yeah. the focus of it. It's actually quite a small room in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, it's uh, Apparently, it's quite prestigious to be invited to the event because they literally only send out invites to it. So, but you can go even now as you listen to this, you can sign up to watch it live. Yeah. Yeah. Head, to, head over to visualstudio.com www.visualstudio.com and there's a banner at the top of the page and add a calendar invite. Does it cost anything to watch the no, stream? No, no, not at all. It's a free event. We want we want people to know what's going on with Visual Studio. Yeah. So we keep on giving away the product. So, you know, <laughs> why would we make people pay to go <laughs> to the event? Pay for the event to give away the product. <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. But. No, um, it, it's, it's, good. it's a lot of good news that I think that people will be happy with. So where does the conference fit historically in, you know, older conferences like PDC and TechEd, those are no more, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the thing I remember about PDC is it was Mm forward-looking, whereas TechEd was sort of current technology. Um, And then we did Mix for a while, but that was its own kind of thing. Where does – and now we have, of course, Ignite, which is sort of the – Tech Ed of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Tech Ed and Mac and the SharePoint show. It's, it's like five or six shows that got conglomerated. And okay. I went to the first Ignite. And there's 22,000 people, man, which yeah. that's a big show. That is a big like, show. That's a lot of people. But um, I thought it was very much operation-centric. Like it was uh, my people. Like I had a wonderful time. IT mostly. Yeah, guys that are in the field building that, that are operating systems, mm-hmm. right? And and there's there was some code-related content. Like, there is dev there, but that is not the focus of it. And builds obviously fills that role that PDC filled. That's right. right. I mean, I think of it as build as a little little bit more forward-looking, really yeah. focused on the core operating systems with Visual Studio and Azure-related news as well. Mm. And then Ignite, as you say, is this – it's that one conference to sort of rule them all. Yeah. It covers IT yeah. Pro and dev and tries to bring everything together as the SharePoint conferences in there now. Mm. And it's, it's all of those topics, but it is more about, hey, I'm, I'm a practitioner working day in, day out yeah. right. with the technology and, and how, how should I use it? Whereas Build is a little bit more like, you know, I'm an independent software vendor or a cutting edge developer. Tell me more about where the platforms are going, mobile device developer. So why another conference? Ah, well, so Connect, the Connect event is the Visual Studio Conference. So it's I a see. dedicated Visual Studio event where you're really focused on your developer-only news. And so um, every conference that we do, developers so important to all of Microsoft's business, but you don't really have a conference that's just focused on the development tools and how they're helping developers, which obviously cut across all of our technologies. So mm. that's what the Connect event is about. You know, it's, it's a place where we've announced uh, things like Visual Studio Online, mm. um, you know, the Connected IDE, the you know, general availability of a number of services. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I think of the Connect event. And so the people you end up seeing at Connect Broadly, the um, leadership team or the leads from Visual Studio, the engineering and dev of the engineering organization, all the names you just sort of rattled off. Yep. Mm. Um, not that we're not in all the other places as yeah, well. Right. It's just that <laughs> this is our place, you know. Yep. And um, I can hear a little voice in listener land somewhere saying, uh, what's happening to Visual Studio then? You know, if Visual Studio Code is the thing, you know, because people like to think <laughs> that Microsoft only puts their eggs in one basket at a time. Yeah. 
and that's just not true. So no, I mean, allay those fears. Yeah, no, no. There's no Visual Studio Code is is, a, is for a different scenario than Visual Studio, and and the way we think about it, and hopefully it's evident when you even go say the marketing site VisualStudio.com, is Visual Studio is a family of products yeah. designed to sort of meet your every needs, and there's three. Legs on the stool or three pillars in that family, and mm-hmm. Visual Studio IDE is absolutely number one. It's the premium experience. Um, it's mm. it's rich top to bottom, and and mm-hmm. it's it's where we've come from. The other big one is, of course, Visual Studio Online. You know, mm-hmm. I spent a long time working in Visual Studio Online as well, and you know, um, that's the other big product from us. Uh, both the cloud services side of that and Team Foundation Server, the on-premise mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. And the third and new member of the family, the new kid on the block, the young upstart, is Visual Studio Code, but it's a friend of all the others. Like, you know, um, we work with Visual Studio Online ourselves all the time. We have integrated Git support for Visual Studio right. Online. And, you know, um, I think it's, it's a family. You know, we're used to, from as studio people, like you, studio was all you needed. It was the end-to-end kit. Even introducing something like Visual Studio Online was kind of a stretch for a lot of folks. They're like, I got my own TFS installation. Thanks very much. Like, I'm, I'm kind of home. But if you start to think in terms of Visual Studio Code, you're more like the developers outside of the Microsoft ecosystem where you compose your own tool suite. Yep. So does VSO play a role against code? Like, that's a logical pairing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The way that we manage our team today is with Visual Studio Online. Mm-hmm. Our code mm-hmm. is in Visual Studio Online. Um, you know, we use Git for version control, and, yep. and VS Code has Git support, and it works fantastically with Visual Studio Online. Well, I think that's one of the a really important point is so many people think of Visual Studio Online as TFS in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And, and when they think TFS in the cloud, they think of source control. That's so right. you immediately say, Bob, we're using, you know, GitHub to handle our source code. Yep. So what are you doing with VSO then? Well, so so we use VSO actually for our source code today. Right. So we use the Git version control support in Team Foundation. Okay. Um, so you're not actually putting it in GitHub. No, no. Maybe that'll change. But um, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? One might speculate. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I'm I'm also really fascinated, and I think a lot of people just don't know how good the instrumentation is in VSO. Like in terms of from a project manager's perspective. This is a view of what's going on in your project that's really hard to replicate in any other way. Yeah. No, I, I spent, you know, four years before coming into this team working in Visual Studio Online okay. and the core platform there. And, and um, the the sort of management facilities that are in Visual Studio Online, visibility, the gear, transparency, mm-hmm. and while still giving your team autonomy to work the way they want to work is, is fantastic. And, and frankly, without something like Visual Studio Online, there's no way we could have done five releases in five months. Sure. At AppV Next, we use Visual Studio Online and GitHub at the same time. It just works great. Yeah. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah, and like, you know, Visual Studio Online has a, a great um, cross-platform story as well. Like even their new build agents, because they can run build in the cloud, mm-hmm. they can pull directly from GitHub. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a great sort of broad DevOps experience. And Visual Studio Online, again, people tend to think that you have to do the whole, you have to adopt everything at once. But right. actually they sort of go into a place where, oh, you could just use it for version control or just agile planning or just build. And um, that's exactly how we've been working with piece, them. And, piece by um, piece like that. I, I've been encouraged talking, I had an opportunity to talk to a group of developers who were talking about this part of it. I was like, well, I don't care about that because that's just project manager stuff. It's like, are you tired of your project manager interrupting you? <laughs> you know? Because let's face it, if you interrupt a software role right, like they're, while they're writing code, it's like grabbing flowers and yanking them out of the ground to see how the roots are growing. <laughs> like, it's really a dumb thing to do. Here's a tool that means they interrupt you less. Yes, you don't need to use it, but don't you think you benefit from it? Yeah. And those tools have evolved so much in the last, you know, five years in particular to be really easy to use for managing work. Things like task mm-hmm. boards and Kanban boards. Yeah. You know, it really is about dragging and dropping, you know, little cards across the screen. And um, it's much, much more pleasurable to work with them than in the past. So one, uh, I realize now there's a question I wanted to ask you before when we were talking about features of Visual Studio Code. And that is, uh, you know, people love their resharper. Yeah. What, what do you offer in that space? So we, out of the box, include some refactorings. Um, so, you know, in TypeScript, you want to rename your method, or in, in .NET, you can want to extract a method. Those things are there um, as part of the 
underlying language services. But it sounds like a great opportunity if only we had an extensibility story for if more people. One had, could speculate. One might speculate <laughs> there may be an extensibility story <laughs> somewhere in the well, future. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the plugin, the add-in plugin model that's already in Studio, right? I mean, we mentioned the UDE one fairly early on. There's an office add-ins for VS Code. Mm. Which is kind of interesting, mm. right? I mean, it's just, you sort of see that there's a place for folks to be able to take their particular platform and give a great view for yeah. Visual Studio Code developer to, yeah. to get into it. Well, Office is a great example. Uh, we worked with them to build a Yeoman generator, which basically scaffolds out. So the new Office extensibility story is basically a modern web framework story. Mm -hmm. Any modern web framework can be used to build a plugin for Office. Right. And so a lot of people are writing them with Angular or a lot of people are writing them with, you know, just raw Node.js or even PHP. And so we work with them to build a set of Yeoman templates that make code really performant for Office. So you, Yeoman we use as almost like file new project. So file new project office and the debugger set up and the, all the manifest files are set up for your mm -hmm. plugin so you can easily deploy it. And yeah, you see that story like the Unity one on our website. But uh, mm. that's really just the start. I mean, at the moment, all of that integration is done at the file level where they've dropped a set of files that work the way that they expect them to work on the disk and we can edit them. Um, but, you know, we'll be able to have far more um, rich extensibility like Rishap would need through programmatic extensibility, APIs, if you like. Right. Um, that, that really allow you to program into Visual Studio Code and between your own extension. And that stuff would be uh, certainly good to have in the product. Yeah. yeah. Sounds the like a great idea. The first time we, uh, well, the first time I actually got to saw, see somebody using Visual Studio Code for real was when I was at Julie Lerman's house and we shot that show. Right. In Burlington, Vermont, and I guess you were remote, but yep. I was there, and uh, she was using it to, you know, it was Node.js and uh, Aurelia, you know, with the HTML, and she loved it, and she, she's one of these people who, you know, just said, uh, you know, I'm going to just set my irrational fear of the new unknown aside <laughs> and download it. First of all, it downloaded immediately because it's 60 megabytes may sound like a lot to some but it's really not no, you know no. and then uh just immediately came up you know there was no waiting there's no and uh you know that's good to hear it's been very encouraging for us i mean people who are writing python and php are using mm. it i think one of mm. the other great stories that we <laughs> we enjoy telling a little bit is the angular um two team so angular two is written on typescript and it's it's from google yep. um and who would have ever imagined that you know google would be out evangelizing a microsoft development tool and a microsoft you know development platform and uh, they just recently had their big angular conference in in the uk and they're very clear that, you know, their preferred editor is code. Yeah. Um, and TypeScript is what they use to build the product and what they recommend. And That's really something. Just, Your preferred editor yeah. is something that's only been around for seven yeah. months. They published a survey on the, their user base, you know, who was using And one of the comments they even put in the survey was, hey, look, we recommend code. It's, it's the thing that we use and love. And, Isn't that one of the horsemen you know? of the apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> it's a new world. <laughs> Google is... <laughs> Recommending a, a Microsoft product. Yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. my God. Where How is, the world has changed. Where are yeah. we? Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's great for uh, ultimately developers. Uh, they don't really care how Microsoft and Google or no. Facebook or anyone feel about each other. They just want us all to get along and, and hopefully uh, something like code and this open technology helps. I got stuff to do, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's right. That's get really out of true. my way. Yeah. yeah. Can you help me? Because if you can't, I'm going to go. I got stuff to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really fascinating to see that that relationship and just that tooling makes sense. The TypeScript thing is really interesting too. It sure is. You know, just it, it, I feel like that's a tool that folks who don't are not in love with JavaScript are like, okay, you know, that's, now the JavaScript's going to behave a little better for me if I do it this way. I also think that you know, looking forward to uh, ECMAScript seven. Which is going to look an awful lot like C sharp. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, really. <laughs> uh, you know that we may actually be um, influencing many, many developers and generations of developers later on. You know that well. Where did this thing come from? Well, it came from C sharp. You know, yep. thinking of uh, async await, for yeah. example. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. It's just gonna. It's a. It's a great time to be a developer. Yeah, TypeScript is a, a real pleasure to work with. Um, in code and, and full stop for a large JavaScript app. We're 100% TypeScript, top to bottom, wow. for our JavaScript code. And we didn't start that way. It's just we ourselves would recommend it to everyone. It's like, 
you're so much more productive. You can refactor your code. Um, yeah, it's got to think of it with a maturing code base is where this really yeah. shines, right? It's like other people need to get in here. Yep. They need to be sure of what's going on. Fewer yep. surprises, a little more fixed assumption. Like that's yep. what TypeScript's going to do for you. Yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, our team with, I don't know, Eric Gamma, his design patterns, you know, he, <laughs> it's a much better world for us. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. That's a lot of JavaScript to build an editor in JavaScript. That's kind of amazing. We have a lot of JavaScript code running. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, if you, if you look on disk, you can see most of it. It's minified and. It's ugly. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. uglified, but it's, it's there. And um, yeah, it's a lot of JavaScript code in it. It's truly amazing how powerful that stuff is. Uh, with with Node as well, it's, it's an incredible runtime and, and framework. Really interesting. Yeah. All right, one more time. Microsoft Connect. When's the date and where's the URL? It's the 18th of November. Um, and go to www.visualstudio.com and grab the URL from there. There's a banner at the top of the page. Save the date. Add it to your diary. Tune in for the keynote and there's uh, going to be a set of follow-up videos available i'll be doing one about something we're talking about um at the event Uh, (laughs) that was very elegant (laughs) because it's a two-day event right the 18th is the big stream event out of new york yep and then the 19th is the stream out of here that's right right and if you happen to be in stockholm sweden on the 18th on the 18th richard and i will be there at the azure world tour yeah and we'll be emceeing that event yeah Awesome. So, there's a lot going on that day. It's going to be a crazy. Don't crazy distract day. too many people. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> I think we might have the attention of a few Swedes, yeah. but uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Well, and they will probably have watched it by then, maybe. Yeah. As will be recorded. You can come back and watch us afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I Good. think we'll be most of the way through our event before the stream starts in New York. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. how it works. Working that time around. zone thing. Time shifting is something we're good at. There huh, you Richard? go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean. No it's problem. been great talking to you. And good luck with Connect and yeah. uh, and Visual Studio Code. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.